welcome back to another Daily Walk. Well, today I want to spend a little bit of time talking about discernment. Now, if you guys want me to get back and do a little bit more textual criticism and stuff, I think the next topic I was going to talk about is the Texas Recepticus, what it is, where it came from. Um, is it really the one descended from God, the Texas Recepticus, as it is? The trees are attacking me, or it's the squirrels, pardon me. Um, so, but today I read something in my reading this week and I wanted to go ahead and have a brief look at it because it was certainly a lesson in discernment. Of course, there's so many quote-unquote Christian books floating around that are all you know, trying to push you in some direction or whatever else. And the reality of a lot of these books are that really what they're trying to do is they're trying to use a couple of individual verses to push people in the direction they would like to go. And if you do not understand the Bible well, and this is why I teach people everyone needs to read their Bible at least once a year, maybe more, get out there, understand the scripture, see how the whole big picture is put together, because otherwise you'll be taken in by a lot of these verses. Now, the verse that made me think about this is not a Christian book. In fact, quite to the opposite, it is really a book from the camp of the enemy. A friend of mine picked this up for me, knowing I occasionally like to read nonsense like this. This is a book called How to Think If You Want to Change the World, Spiritual Practices for Social Activism. (laughs) And uh, the person who wrote it uh, was like, you know, a, a PETA board member and, uh, you know, I, I love the introduction, introductory part. I once saw somebody abusing a fish. I thought, how could you possibly do this? And they never elaborated. I'm like, what, do you go into a sushi bar or something? I mean, I don't know. That's how some of these people think abusing a fish might be. And, um, but of course, you know, the person found Buddhism and this is like the perfect religion. So the whole thing's like a bunch of Buddhist nonsense. Of course, when I find a white person sitting here, like I'm a Buddhist, I know they're just a gay idiot. Uh, and you can be gay and not be an idiot. I'm just saying every person I knew who's a white guy who said, I'm a Buddhist, was just a gay idiot. They were perverted. They were psychopaths. Um, And I can tell you story after story. I'm not going to elaborate much further, but I got some doozies in there uh, from some of the people that I've uh, interacted with. Of course, this person is pulling in topics and references from from all over the place. We got, uh, you know, we got the the tongue-sucking Dalai Lama himself. And suck my tongue. Uh, and we got um, we got Gandhi, and and uh, of course down here quoted we have it. It simply says in the reference, Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Bible, various editions. <laughs> so I was like, this book has got to be great. And it's all, of course, all these references to Earth are all capitalized. But not only that, but it's capitalizing references to what they're talking about, like the good cause and the violent behavior and the love behavior. And all these terms are capitalized and they make no sense. It's just like the dribbling, uh, the dribblings of, an, of a lunatic. It's kind of what we're reading through it. But of course, as this author is going through and grabbing from anywhere and everywhere he can, we get this little nugget. In the Old Testament, when the king of Israel asked Elisha whether to slay the blinded Syrian army, which has come to capture him, but which had instead been duped to go to Samaria, Elisha had a choice between the king's inclination and his God's. He followed his own nonviolent truth, and truth is capitalized, and told the king to give them all a hearty meal and send them back to their masters, never to harass Israel again. So he's literally saying, well, Elisha chose 
chose the nonviolent truth. And uh, of course, we are we don't get any Bible reference exactly where did that come from, but choose your nonviolent truth because all the suffering of the world is all the problem. And that's the nonsense. Now, if you are a nominal Christian and you're reading this and you think that this is some good book, you might go, wow. And then you're going to adopt this philosophy that, that Elisha the prophet was running around just doing all sorts of acts of love and whatever else. Now, they don't tell you exactly where that comes from. That section is from 2 Kings 6, 18 through 22. Uh, and I'm actually going to read the section here. So 18 to 22. They came down, uh, down to him and Elisha prayed the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way nor the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. And when they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, there were, they were in the midst of Samaria. Then the king of Israel, saw when he saw them, said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? And Elisha answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? So set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. Now, is this Elisha like being this super loving guy? No, these are people sent to kill him. And he literally uses his power of God, blinds them, brings them to their enemy king as captives. And he's like, shall we kill him? And I was like, no, let him go. And it actually continues on. The people got the point. They never went to try there again because would you keep going back? It's kind of like Elisha's master, Elijah, had a case where so he's like, bring me Elijah. And he goes out and Elisha just slays the, the whole company that goes to kill him. There's like one hit, fire, 50 guys dead. And then he's like, go send another one. They send another one. Elijah, dead. And he sends the third one. The third guy goes, dude, come, please don't kill me and my guys. Like, I'm just trying to get the king across here, you know. It's like, they got the point. <laughs> Okay, and that's the thing we have to understand. So if we read this book and we like, oh, wow, Elisha was, he was just this man of love, this man of whatever else. We forget the exact reason why Elisha was commissioned to begin with. So let me tell you a little bit about Elisha. So Elijah, of course, after doing battle with the kings uh, or the prophets of Baal and Jezebel wants to kill him because Elijah slayed all of her prophets of Baal. And uh, he's sitting there thinking, God, I alone am left. And God's like, that's this point of depression. You hear a sermon about depression on this section. And he comes in and he says, he, he says, I alone am left. And God says, no, I've reserved 7,000 people who've never bowed a knee of the Baal. And he said, here is going to be your legacy, Elijah. You're going to anoint three men. And by the time these three men's lives end, every worshiper of Baal, kind of like worshipers of Buddha, will be destroyed. And at the end of Elisha's life, Baal worship was gone in Israel. It is a dead religion. It had never occurred in Israel since that time. He was literally anointed to kill a lot of people, not to have this flowery land, violence, and love. Uh, and so let me read this portion, 1 Kings 19, 15 to 17. The Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel king over Aram. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, um, of Abel Meloia, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall come about that one who escapes the sword of Haziel, Jehu shall put to death. And the one who escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha shall put to death. 
Okay, so Elisha is not like the non-violent love follower. He is literally the executioner that the executioner that the executioner missed. Okay, he's like he's like the final end boss, right? He's the end boss of the video game. This is Elisha. Okay, you've gone through all this kind of stuff. You finish the stage. The stage boss gets who you finish your first stage boss. You, then you get you do your second stage boss as Jehu. Then you got to go up against Elisha, and he's going to kill you because he's got the power of God. Okay, that's what's going on here um, with this. And so Elisha is anointed uh, to be prophet in Elijah's place. And what is his very first act? It was, of course complete nonviolent love because according to this book author here nonviolent love is what he chose this is his first official act day one of being a prophet second kings 2 23 and 24 he went up from there to bethel he is elisha and as he was going up by the way young lads came out from the city and mocked him saying go up you bald head go up you bald head and when they looked behind him he saw them and cursed them in the name of god and two female bears came out of the woods and tore up 42 lads in their number so day one on the job, first official act, what's going to happen? Well, these kids are coming out and teasing me. Kill them. Nonviolent love. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, and, of course, uh, we have another, another fun story here. Um, 20, let's see. Uh, oh, in five. This is actually when uh, in nonviolent love he, he uh, sends the leprosy of Naaman over to his, um, to his servant, uh, Gaza, and uh, declares that uh, leprosy shall never leave Gaza's family. Why? Because he went there to basically violate. And of course, okay, think of this. Your boss is the prophet of God, the one that God's actually speaking to, okay? That's your boss. And then you go out doing something nefarious, like your little children, going out stealing cookies from the cookie jar. You eat the cookies, you got chocolate chips going down your chest. You go to your parents, where have you been? Nowhere. That's what Ghazi was doing. Like, he goes back to Elijah. Where you been? Nowhere. Really? <laughs> In fact, let me read that part there uh, that, because it's, it just becomes comical. So, of course, if you're not caught up on the story, this is in 2 Kings 5. Naaman comes to Israel to get healed. Uh, there's this whole kersnuffle. He goes over and uh, Elisha tells him, go dip in the river seven times. Naaman's cleaned of leprosy. He goes back, offers all sorts of all sorts of money and awards and prizes. But Elisha's like, I don't need any of that stuff. Go away. And uh, But then Gazi's like, he saw cha-chings in his, uh, in his eyeballs. And so he chases after him and says, some prophets just came and they need some silver and some gold and stuff. David's like, hey, here you go, man. Have all you want. And then he, so Gazi goes and hides the stuff. And then as guy, he hides it, uh, picking up Second Kings 5, uh, 26 and 27. He, um, no, let's do 25 to 27. But he went and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, Where have you been, Gehazi? He said, Your servant went nowhere. <laughs> he said to him, Did not my heart go with you when the man turned his chariot to meet you? It was, uh, is it a time to receive money and receive clothes and olive oil and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And so from then on out, he was uh, present. Uh, his presence was as of leper, white as snow. He gave him leprosy and love, nonviolent love. <laughs> so when a book comes out and starts quoting single verses about this kind of stuff, you got to read deeper into these because a lot of it's nonsense. Uh, somebody actually uh, just gave a friend of mine the book Boundaries, popular book by Cloud. 
And uh, Boundaries is a nonsense book. Um, the psychology about Boundaries is, is good, but the theological applications are absolutely heretical. I would just burn that book with fire. If you want a book about Boundaries, go find a secular book about Boundaries. You're going to get a lot more out of it than reading somebody trying to cram eisegesis into this book saying God would never violate your boundaries. Are you kidding me? That's a bunch of nonsense. Um, But having discernment is what we need, and we get discernment by regular exposure to the Word of God. This is why you need to be reading it on a day-to-day basis. Well, I hope this story has been fun and informative uh, to you about the purposes of uh, of discernment. And uh, with that, thank you for watching, everybody, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for tuning in. Our Walk in Christ podcast is a listener-supported presentation. For more information about how you can help, check out ourwalkinchrist.com forward slash support or our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Tom M. That's T-O-M-M. Digital and paperback books are available on several online bookstores or at our website. Once again, the website is ourwalkinchrist.com.